0: Hello, gatherers. This show is brought to you by ComicWOW.com. If you love comics, check out comicwell.com, your media hub devoted to comics, the comic industry, and pop culture that surrounds it. Now, on with the show.
1: Welcome once again to another wacky and zany episode of Indy Comics. I am your host, Jeff, and I'm pretty sure you've heard me a time or two on The Gathering, on many a spot, and just whatever other shows you've had the pleasure of listening to. Today is December 8th, 2015, and let us just see who else is with me here this fine day. This is Tyler.
2: Oh, this is Albert from the <laughs> Spoilers Please podcast.
1: So soon you already ruin it for everybody with your, with your latent response right there. Yes. Thank you, Albert. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. You're very welcome. <laughs> but anyway... Without further ado, let us broaden your horizons now when visiting your local comic book shop with another dose of Indie Comics with Jeff. Now, the selected comics for the week of December 9th, 2015. From Antarctic Press, we have Airship Enterprise No. 1, with the artwork and the story done by Brian Denham. Look into the story of Captain Yanis Tibbs and her crew as they receive a distress call from a research vessel. In answering the call, they fly into a debris field that pommels the ship left and right. Enjoy this new steampunk adventure from the Green Hornet artist Brian Denham. And from Boom Entertainment, we have Munchkin Deck the Dungeons, number one, by Katie Cook and Mike Lucas. Everyone's wonderful high fantasy game tucked into a bit of the holiday spirit. Enjoy this twisted story involving Spike and Flowers spin on the Yuletide celebrations, with tons of looting going on between and evermore. And from Dynamite, we have The Precinct, number one, by Frank J. Barbieri and Krizam Zamora. Now, in a steampunk-like metropolis deep in the big city, the true holders of justice are the law enforcement officers of this section known as the precinct. One such officer is Mortimer Hill, who must deal with a new crisis in the precinct when mechanical monsters start to terrorize the city and must ally with the likes of a partner from the Alchemy Academy in the hopes of pushing back this new threat. An adventurous tale blending magic with mystery and steampunk. A bit of everything for everyone. And from IDW, we have 8th Seal number 1, which is the first issue of a five-issue miniseries by James Tinian IV and Jeremy Rock. Now, as a woman tries to live out her life in the political arena, her dark and haunted nightmares begin to seep into reality. Are they merely dreams, or is there something more to it than that? Enjoy this first issue of this miniseries from James Tinian, who has done the likes of Red Hood and the Outlaws, as well as some Batman books from the New 52, as well as artist Jeremy Rock. And from Oni Press, we have Alabaster of the Shadows, which is a graphic novel by Matt Gardner and Rashad Dusset. Carter Normandy gets the feeling that things are a wee bit strange in this neighborhood. After all, the parents seem to hate kids, for instance. There's also a strange leak in the basement that defies logic. Other strange things prompt Carter to team up with his friends to discover that this neighborhood is monster-infested and that it's up to them to prevent an all-out invasion of, the, of these monstrosities into our own world. And that's what we're looking at with this week's picks right here.
0: I think it's like the first episode where I didn't hear. I've never heard of any of those comics,
2: <laughs> but they all sound really, really good. This is the fir-
1: <laughs> so this is only the first time that I've ever truly been able to surprise you with what I've picked for the week, huh?
2: Is no, they- I like They sound good. Is oh, there yeah. is there reasoning to the
1: order of... Or what pub-
2: publishers she talk to?
1: I mostly just do it by alphabetical. But oh, what, were, what okay. were you? What were you thinking? No, because I
2: was thinking like you know, I was thinking maybe do uh, dynamite should go first before boom because you know <laughs> boom comes after the dynamite. Then after the boom, when you're dead, you can meet the Oni, Oni Press.
1: You guys <laughs> cannot really see the blank expression on my face right now as he is saying this right here. It I do get what like, you're saying.
0: Is that is that an image of a grenade or a dynamite? Oh, it is a dynamite, and then boom.
1: Yeah, an oh, I guess And then so. the only. Pardon me, what hell? Are you guys just trying to intentionally piss me off today? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I'm just wondering here. <laughs> Take okay, it with but the anyway. Only. But anyway, yeah, I see what your point, and duly noted, sir. <laughs> but yes, that is our picks for the week, and now we move on to our blast from the past, or present, reviewing an oldie, maybe, but goodie. And in this case, we have picked out a book called Boxers and Saints, and this was recommended to me by Tyler, actually, and I am so glad that he actually did, because after reading this, I truly can say that I am blown away. Now... It's a two-companion-part graphic novel written and drawn by jean Luen Yang on behalf of publisher First Second Books, and it was published in 2013, so it's roughly about two years old now. So, in the realm of it being an oldie, kind of, but, you know, it's still relatively relevant, I would say, at this point. Now, the first of the two books is Boxers, and that looks into the story of Little Bao, who comes to head the uprising of the righteous and harmonious fist at the the turn-of-the-century China, while the other companion book, Saints... Follows the story of Four Girl, a female from Bao's village who converts to Christianity and has aspirations of becoming a warrior protector. Now, let me backtrack just for a moment. The Righteous and Harmonious Fist was a secret society of Chinese revolutionaries who, at the turn of the century in China, meaning the turn of the 20th century in China, they led a popular uprising in their country because at this time there was a lot of foreign influence in this country. Ooh, ooh. Go ahead, go ahead. Is this the Boxer Rebellion? The Boxer Rebellion. <laughs> Very good, sir. That's exactly what we are looking at. I and, heard about that through kung fu movies. Oh, See, kung I, fu movies. I, there you go.
0: I've only heard of it once, and that was during a like, class. You know, and I think it was college, and that was the only time I really ever heard of it.
1: Oh, okay. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is believe it or not, you're pro- you're probably not alone in having that um, particular sentiment. Most people aren't even aware that there was a big uprising in China at the turn of the century, at the turn of the twentieth century. But the brewing behind the entire conflict was there's a lot of nativist feeling that you know many of these local Chinese are completely. Um, hating the fact that there's so much foreign influence in their country. And this there's the spheres of influence at this time. Britain has their part. You know, Americans are also coming in. There's Germans. There's a lot of Europeans that are strutting forth their dominance in this country when they have no right to it in the first place. But
0: not only that, it seems like, especially in this book, a lot of it is not just, you know... Um, people invading, you know, physically. It's just, it's religiously. It's, it's like, you know, with their beliefs, exactly, it's, with their politics, and everything else. Like and everything is, is, it, it's they're attacking like, almost every single aspect of what their country was.
1: Exactly, it's like it's an attack upon the traditional culture. Is essentially what it is, attacking it from almost every standpoint. And it's real interesting that you mention the part about the religion because that play, if anything, I think that placed a true central emphasis upon the entire book. In this particular interpretation of the Boxer Rebellion,
2: now, I've only read like the first chapters of Boxers. Okay, it seemed a little one-sided. <laughs> I don't know. Well, There's well, no well, good white person in this. Well, you part. see,
1: that's part of the that's part of the entire point, and that's why I'll eventually you, you're still reading. Obviously, right. you'll see the other half when you get to Saints. It, yeah. it essentially is, it, it it all balances out. Trust me. Now, it essentially is a two-companion piece because Yang couldn't exactly decide whom was the righteous side and who was wrong within the story that he was trying to tell. And if you read in a boxers, you kind of get that sense, like, who's right and who is wrong here?
0: Well, and, and that's a cool thing. It's like, because you, you want to... You, okay, obviously, um, history is written by the winners. And yes. with this, we kind of get a... You get an idea of, like, you know, both sides of the story, but... On the side that we read with boxers, like you know, they make them kind of like you know, they're the they're the underdogs, and you know they they they're armed with you know they're just they're farmers, they're poor, it's a poor little town, and everybody's being kind of beat you know beaten and bullied by you know yeah uh, by this new by armada foreign, yeah, new by horse.
1: Europeans and missionaries and all that kind of and, stuff yeah and are,
0: missionaries and with this you kind of get to see both points, but they're so extreme that you're just like okay maybe I don't wanna. Maybe I'm not really rooting for these guys anymore. But it, then you kind of. But then Little Bow is so, you know, he, this. I don't know. I, he I,
1: becomes overzealous, is what he does. Well, there's
0: that. But you still love. You still love the character, though. He's still, oh yeah, you he love the character. He's, he's 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 very, um, you know, not insecure, but like uh, what what he was he was like Captain America. Everybody made fun of him at first and then finally yeah, yeah. he got this destiny. And now and now and he, it's his moment
1: to shine finally. Yeah. So and you know you to want do, to celebrate. And he's
0: trying that. to do good, but then he has all these bad forces that, you know, with him and everything else. And exactly. He's, and he's fighting with himself. And that, that's the thing. It's like that's
2: it's right.
1: Well, Essentially, it, yeah.
2: It almost kinda of reads like propaganda almost. Yeah, well, it does. Yeah.
1: It, yeah. does yeah. it does, it's definitely.
0: It's war. Yeah. It's always propaganda and war. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And and it's read throughout the entire thing, especially when you get to scenes where you know he's having his inner struggles with, you know, the that character that he eventually portrays the first uh, the first emperor of the United China with that, the Shi Huang yep. so there's a lot of there's a lot of internal struggles there going on now, according to to Yang, he essentially wanted to and i quote write the story of a young man who was essentially a terrorist yet wanted him to be sympathetic because in yang's mind, he didn't want the book to feel like he like he was condoning terrorism essentially oh, yeah. yeah. So it was kind of a fine line. And when you read into Little Bow's story in Boxers, you kind of see that fine line really starting to chip away there because a lot of what he was doing he felt was righteous. What he felt he was doing was right. But when you look at it from another standpoint, he did commit a lot of murders, too. And
0: there's a lot of... like, Yeah, everything was so extreme. Exactly. And there wasn't really... I mean, he held be- He wanted to hold back, but of course he yeah.
1: couldn't. Yeah. Or he it, felt like he couldn't. It's like a rising tide, essentially. It's like, you know, he... He wants to show more sympathy, yet at the same time, he doesn't know if he can afford to do that anymore.
2: Yeah, the extreme nature of the book kind of caught me off guard because the art style is pretty simplistic. So well, I wasn't. Well,
1: Yang's the one that, that does the drawing too. So yeah, right. he's the prime artist behind it too. Yeah, like. the, the art style is very simplistic and almost cartoonish in a way. Yeah. And then yeah. as soon as he does ma-
0: it, doesn't match with the uh, it doesn't Yeah, it doesn't the match, well, match well, with the, and with the see, content. Yeah. But I like it though. Oh yeah, I like it too. And it's
1: funny because it, it always made me think like, don't get me wrong. I love that cartoony type style and everything. It was great for the book, but it tin always tin. makes me wonder how it would have been if that would, they would have adapted that into an anime style of all tin Tintin. It probably would have been well, pretty yeah. interesting. Well,
0: that's the thing. I think it would have been, inter- been interesting, but I think it's also... I think what it was is that they really wanted to feel like it was just one of those stories that you kind of just tell your kids. I think he yeah. wanted it to look like one of those bedtime stories. Like,
1: oh... And it's interesting because... It's interesting because we're going to come back to that in a little bit because... I'm of the opinion that this guy Yang, he's so amazing and I'm just gonna shout out to him once again. I think he not only wants to entertain, he wants to teach. Yes. When he when he is doing these kind of books. You That's know who what he reminds I
0: think. me of Brandon McKinney.
1: Oh yes. When we
0: interviewed him. Oh yes. We interviewed uh Brandon McKinney who works at Darby Pop. Uh, you can listen to it on the comic uh the kamikaze episode, I think yes. it's part two. Great interview of but he's also a teacher. He he he's a professor and he teaches, you know, graphic design or a, uh, you know, with in everything with comic books and whatnot. Exactly, uh, that's his specialty, and he and he does classes, you know, for comic book artists and story writing, and uh, and Gene's the same way.
1: Exactly, and that's what I love about this. Now, to counter the story of Bao's journey in Boxers, however. Yang added four-girls' story, which is con- uh, which is contained in Saints, as sort of a measure to completion and made their stories separate, yet part of the same narrative. At its base, guys, Yang admits that the Boxer tale was unequivocally meant to be historical fiction, blending actual history behind the Boxer Rebellion and incorporating a little bit of the original character of Little Bao into the tale. Because obviously, you know, if we're just reading a word-for-word interpretation of the Boxer Rebellion in a comic, it's going to be dry reading. But, The same approach really came out in Saints as well. Now, the entire project took about six years to complete, with about a third of that total time being devoted to research. That's a lot of research, guys, which means essentially about two to two and a half years of that he was researching the event itself just to get a feel for what the the material was going to be about. Because
0: I'm sure, you know, what he's heard, you know, if he was raised with a story and whatnot, like it's going to be very one sided. He had to get, he had to probably dive deep and get everything. Exactly.
1: Exactly because you know it would have been, well, like you said, you know, he would have been going into the fine line of trying to find who was right and who was wrong in this. Now, in all, I believe this book is a perfect testament to a sub to a subgenre of independent comics in relating history to the comics page. It's a medium that's very little emphasized in the industry, in my opinion. Most people, you know, when you're reading your comics nowadays, you don't really think about you know trying to have a history tale done with this. But Yang did it perfectly in my opinion. Anyone who is either interested in the Boxer Rebellion or knows nothing of it comes away with a more fuller comprehension of the event itself, at least in my opinion. Yet it doesn't have the dryness one might get out of your local school textbook or something yeah. like that.
0: and that's what I like. think with the art, it's a lot easier for somebody to read it, and um, it, it won't, it won't make, it won't make basically make it look like it's so uh, violent and it's so, you know. Gory and whatnot. Exactly, if, if, that, if they had somebody like you know Frank Miller or somebody else who did the art for. I oh think my I God! Think if Frank this, Miller
1: would have done that, oh jeez. I think with
0: this cartoony <laughs> style, it just it opens the door for a little bit more, and it also like yeah, I guess I, you know it's kind of like with you know almost all of Chinese, you know Japanese, especially yes. you know they, where they have a constant thing in this are the operas. They go back to the operas, like it, very tragic past, very tragic you know historical yes. events. But it's still fun because they have masks and they make it a lot easier and a little bit more playful and it's a lot more entertaining, even though a lot of the stuff that they do, like in, like especially in the in the actual book, those stories are very horrific and you know, full of very terrible things, and yet they still celebrate it and they, they laugh and they they laugh with the characters, you know, exactly. as they're doing terrible things. It's it's just kind of like what they do is you know, they may have a really bad past, but they kind of it's all that time stories they are all... It's just kind of... there's their history. They have to own it, and they have to... You know, I don't know. It's just... I don't know.
1: Exactly. It's like I said, pretty much, there is still lessons to be taught here, yet at the same time, there's an inner way, entertaining way to do it. And I think that's exactly what Yang does here, and he does it very effectively, in my opinion. His... Subgenre of relating history to the comics page, I believe, should be an up and coming medium for the independent comics industry. It's something I think that should be more emphasized. And I'm not saying that particularly just because, you know, I'm a, I'm a former history major and all that. I think it's something that really needs to be delved more into because there are a lot of stories of our past that can really be taught to an audience to make them entertained yet not feel as if they have to be reading some darn textbook just to get the information. Yeah, There's like, a lot that can be learned right in there.
2: Like when Captain America was fighting Hitler.
1: <laughs> well, you know, that's you know, that's punching Hitler right there. That's a little bit of well, a Batman was going a up against the KKK. Exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. There's plenty of that, or history, when, or when Superman single-handedly won World War II, for that matter, or something oh, yeah, like that. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's plenty of instances. But you guys get what I'm saying here. There's a lot of instances in which we can have historical fiction, not just be an actual book, but a comic. But a comic could be a good alternative. I'm just saying. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we have novels and whatnot based on historical
2: exactly.
0: Fiction. But Jeff, you you studied. The actual Boxer Rebellion. Sure, like, you, I, I've i studied
1: is, it before, this yeah. This is
0: one of the, like, yeah.
1: And, and I'm looking at this, and I'll tell you right now, what's good about this is that it gives you the populist side of the whole revolt. It seems like, well, it's obviously not just an entire thing of the foreigner versus the revolutionary, but you see what the entire struggle is in the countryside at this time, about how China is having real growing pains at this time. It's a culture that is still trying to jealously hold on to its old Confucian past, yet at the same time is struggling with influences of Europeans and missionaries and Christianity that is trying to bring it to the present. And you see a lot of that, especially with Little Bao, trying to say, hey, I'm doing this for not just for me, but for China to try to, to, to protect our sanctity or whatever, but at the same time, at what cost is he willing to do so? Because, like I said, you know, he eventually starts to question a lot of his motives. He starts to say, hey, hey, oh, he's doing horrific. we're killing people yeah. here, yet at the same time, we're doing the right thing. So what exactly, am I right or am I wrong? And I think that goes back to what Yang was talking about right there. This book really goes on the fine line of just what is right and what is wrong.
2: Yeah. Well, it's pretty much people who opted for the violent path as opposed to the diplomatic path. Too. Exactly.
1: Because I think at this point, a lot of people are feeling, hey, we've done that diplomatic thing time and time again. And what it's essentially, it's the, if I may be, if I may be a little religious here for a minute, it's, you know, turning the other cheek, basically. Hey, we done turned the other cheek all the time. Now it's time for us to finally bring our fist up. Yeah. And that's where, that's essentially where, you know, the society of the righteous and harmonious fist came about. Now, this book attained some great celebratory accolades in 2013. It included being a National Book Awards finalist for the category of Young People's Literature. It was also a Booklist Top Ten for the category of Religion and Spirituality Books for Youth, and was also a School Library Journal Best Books of the Year Mention, and a Los Angeles Times Book Prize for Young Adult Literature. Now, obviously, this is not an Eisner uh, Award winner yet, well, yet, who knows, but you know what? These are some good accolades for a book that's only two years old, especially yeah. for stuff dealing with literature nowadays. So this guy really has brought something good with this Boxers and Saints book. But let's go further into this guy right now, jean Luen Yang, with our next section on Creator Spotlight, Houdet. Now, Gene Luen Yang is a Chinese-American writer and artist of graphic novels, as well as an instructor. He's best known for a variety of works ranging from Boxers and Saints to Avatar Last Airbender.
0: And if you haven't read his, uh, I think like one of his first books, American Born Chinese. Oh, yes. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal
1: book. Oh, yes. And we will get into that as well here with uh, more information on him. Now, Yang found his love of comics from a combination of his parents' penchant for telling stories as well as his want of, be- of becoming a Disney animator. But more specifically, from his mother taking him to their local comic book shop and buying him his first-ever comic book. In this case, his first-ever comic book was Superman No. 57, which I believe was June of 1983, I think. So, you know, quite, quite a while back. Now, he started out his career in comics by self-publishing his own titles under the Humble Comics title as early as 1996, with his first title being Gordon Yamamoto and King of the Geeks winning him the Zarek Grant in 1997, and this was followed by a sequel later on known as The Loyola Chin of the San Pellegrin Order. Now, both were published together as the book Animal Crackers by Slave Labor Comics in 2010.
0: (laughs) Slave Labor Comics.
1: (laughs) Believe it or not, they're actually a good small imprint that does some good quality stuff. I have a few books that were done of... a. A reimagination of Oz and Wonderland.
0: Almost on a knock him, but just, him. just a really oh, yeah. random name for a comic for Oh, a comic, tr- uh, tr- Trust publisher. me, dude. The
1: more independent you go, the more that you find there are some real weird names that some publishers have. Trust me. That I mean, some of them start to get almost into the politically incorrect. <laughs> trust yeah. me on this. Now, he has had comics work published with several imprint uh, titles, including Humble, as well as First Second, which was the one that was uh, responsible for Boxers and Saints. He's also done work for Macmillan. He's worked for Marvel. He's worked for DC, SLG, which is once again Slave Labor Group. He's worked for Dark Horse as well as HarperTeen, New Press, and Pauline Books and Media.
0: He has done a lot of work. Yeah, for a he lot has of done awesome. a ho-
1: exactly. So he really has has had his way around. And he,
0: he's worked on Superman, which was his...
1: yes. And he's currently on the current run on Superman in the New Fifty Two right yep. now with uh, I believe I believe it's uh, John Romita Jr.'s run. Yeah. And uh, his career really took off, though, in 2006, coming back to your point, with the release of his book, American Born Chinese, which received wide critical acclaim and accolades. I mean, this was an excellent book. I mean, what, what are your impressions of the book, Tyler? It's
0: just a very true story. Like, when you read it, it's one of those books where it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, this is definitely his life. <laughs> like, and um, it's the same art for Boxers and Saint. It's oh, yeah, you see, I, I
1: see a little bit of Yang right in a little bow right there. So it's, it's like. It's really
0: cute. Dark's yeah. really cute, but it is. it is kind of it's tough. Now, now, now
2: you two guys are white boys. Have you ever heard of the phrase ABCs? No. No. American boy in Chinese. Oh. For a lot no. of Asians, when you go, oh ABC, American boy in I Chinese. I never have. I've never sorry, heard I'm of not, that. We're that... not racist, uh, Albert. <laughs> I'm Asian here. I can say this. But but yeah, but yeah, that's that's where it's
1: that's that's where it's from. Oh okay. Oh interesting. I didn't even know that. Well, how about that? Now, about your other... Twinkie.
0: <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And once again, you see the blank expression that you guys cannot see on my face here, everybody, so I apologize. But anyway, moving on. Now, among other works that he has done, popularly noted and celebrated, include The Eternal Smile. He has done Prime Baby. He has done Level Up. Level Up's good. Yes, Level Up is very good, actually. He has done The Rosary Comic Book. He did The Shadow Hero. He did Secret Coders. Which is currently going on, I think, right now. I believe so, yeah. And like I said, his current run with Superman's new 52 run right now, he's been doing since issue number 41. Of course, the writer for that right now well, and artist is um, John Romita Jr. Yep. So he's definitely working with good hands right now and bringing that to the comic page as well. Now, an interesting tidbit most don't know is that Yang is a firm advocate of the use of graphic novels as educational tools within the classroom. This kind of coming back to the entire thing that he likes to entertain as well as teach. It's evidenced by the work that he did for his master's thesis, culminating in the online comic known as Factoring with Mr. Yang and Mosley the Alien, which was used to help students in the classes he was substitute teaching for at Bishop O'Dowd while he was still Director of Informational Services, because he's not only a writer, guys, he's also a teacher. He, does, uh, he He's quite, quite a bit of things, actually, so he's a pretty amazing guy, actually. He's won numerous awards for his words. He's included a Michael L. Prince Award. He's won a couple of Eisner's. He's, he's a finalist for a National Book Award. He's been on the top uh, book list top 10. He's also had an NPR Holiday Pick. He's had a Publisher's Weekly mention. He's also had a San Francisco Chronicle Best Book of the Year um, mention, a uh, Rubin Award, Chinese American Library Association mentions, uh, T- Time Magazine top 10, as well as Amazon.com Best Graphic Novel. So this guy really has you know which one really had one good work. The, which one?
0: Which one was the Amazon best novel?
1: You know, I'm actually not too sure what that one was. I wasn't able to look up which one that was. But if, not, if anything, it was probably American-born Chinese. That's still, that's pretty awesome. It was, pro- like, it was probably American-born some, Chinese. That's
0: an extremely, extremely awesome. I resume. couldn't say off the top of or, my head.
1: Because uh, the unfortunate thing about many of these uh, um, groups that you're trying to find the awards for is often they don't list uh, the winner, uh, what it was for online exactly. Because it's harder to look, especially since some of them are more obscure. Now, Yang exhibits in his books a desire to both teach as well as entertain, two things inherently lacking in many genres of comic books, whether it's mainstream or independent. Where so many books seem to regard strange abstract themes or ideas, Yang's works, especially in his independent work, strives to get the reader to think as well as enjoy. That's exactly what I got out of Boxers and Saints, guys, and I believe that's what you guys will get out of it as well once you guys are finished with it.
0: And also read American Born Chinese, and you'll get the exact same thing. Uh, oh yeah, it's, it's he's great. Uh, I haven't read Secret Coders, but I definitely want to pick it up soon. Um, another thing with him, like he's just a really, really interesting person. Uh, I don't know. If, I know I've told you this a thousand times, but my favorite, probably one of my favorite panels ever, was with him. It was at WonderCon, I think th- two or three years ago. And his moderator, I was was having car trouble and couldn't make it, so the panel was literally just him, which never happens. There's never just like almost one, never happens. Yeah, like
1: maybe Anime if Expo. I'm not mistaken. That was our first ever WonderCon together. I think so. I but, believe so. Yeah, and we,
0: and we we separated at that time. Yeah, uh, and because I I did that in another panel where it was oh man. Uh, anyway, so but that panel itself was just him, and he's so interesting and such a nice, genuine person. Like it was the most entertaining. Whenever he told us everything and he's really, really big on like he wants everybody to go out there and work on graphic, you know, graphic novels. He's not worried about somebody taking his uh, his work away from him. He condones it. He's like, no, I teach and I want everybody to do what I'm doing. Like, It may be tougher for me to find work, but I I would feel better as a teacher knowing that other people are doing this. And he was just open about everything that he could talk about, especially around Avatar Last Airbender, because it was it was a long line because at that point, that was when he. Oh, is that right? That's yeah. when the first uh, Avatar: Last Airbender book came out, and so you know, and the second one was coming out, which I think was uh, the Search, and yeah. um, you know, so I mean, it, it was a very crowded. I had to get there like you know, thirty minutes early, and I made it in. It was great, and then we also interviewed him. If you go back to San Diego Comic Con, I, I interviewed him. It was my first interview ever for Grand Geek Gathering, which is cool, and uh, very right. interesting. Very nice guy. He, you know, it's he's great. Big shout out to Gene.
1: Oh yeah. We love you, Gene. You guys, you're just amazing with all you do, and you continue to hammer it home with everything you guys do. You've done wonderful with Boxers and Saints, and you'll continue to do great with other stuff. So you just keep on hammering it, and keep on those Superman books, because I just love them. I know this is an independent show and everything we're talking about, but I do love his run on Superman.
0: Absolutely, especially somebody who is just such a... He's so influenced, and like, he just loves the fact that he does graphic novels. He doesn't really feel the need to do you know the big two, but... He's yeah. going to do it because Superman's you know, his favorite superhero. Exactly.
1: He loves, yeah. He, he's, he's loved Superman. He's loved him ever since he had Superman number 57, well over 30 years uh, ago now, I think. So, you know, he's never going to be letting that go. Thanks for tuning in. You can check out our other shows and offerings on iTunes and check out our website, GrandgeeGathering.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Send any comments, questions, or requests to GrandgeeGathering at gmail.com. To stay updated on our network, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch TV. So come on and join the gathering. This show has been brought to you by the Grand Geek Gathering Network. Have a merry week, and... GGG! Ciao, bao, Boxers and saints. <Insights. laughs> really?